come back Your dreams were your ticket out Today on our podcast, we have none other than Tim May of the Columbus Dispatch. And if you haven't heard, Bucknutters, it's the end of an era. Tim May is in his 35th year, 35 years of covering Ohio State football, and he's announced his retirement basically at the end of this Ohio State football season. He'll have his 35 years covering the Buckeyes in, and we we got to start with that, Tim. You know, Tim May, the end of an era uh, covering Ohio State football. Just, just tell our listeners a, a little bit about your decision and and and, and that type of thing. I've turned 65. I will turn 65 on March the 23rd. Uh, shouldn't give out my birthday like that. I had planned to drop the mic and walk off stage is not the right term, Bill, but I just, I didn't, I didn't plan at all for this to be, uh, become an announcement of any sort. But, uh, along the way, our company, uh, the company that owns our paper, Gatehouse, uh, offered this, uh, what's known as a voluntary severance uh, offer to employees and uh, who wanted to, in essence, call it a career. And let me just leave it leave it with this. It was extremely lucrative for me to go ahead and sign up for it, even though I'm going to keep covering, help covering Ohio State football, you know, with, with Bill Rabinowitz and I. I've been doing it for like seven years now, eight years now uh, together, but I'm going to keep covering it. Uh, through the end of the season, but uh, sometimes, uh, as Godfather says, sometimes you get an offer that's too good to refuse, and uh, that's exactly uh, why uh, it got out. But I was always planning for uh, the day I turn 65, the day I'm eligible for Medicare, et cetera, <laughs> for it to be my uh, uh, last day as a, at least as a full-time. Uh, working employee at the Columbus Dispatch. And, you know, who knows where I'll end up, what I'll end up doing down the road. I mean, I still enjoy talking. My, my hands don't type, uh, the way I like them to anymore. You know, I've typed probably 10,000 articles, I'm figuring, over the course of my career, maybe more than that. I've been doing this since I was 19 years old. And, you know, just, there comes a time when you kind of, you kind of want to do something else. You know, people keep asking me, well, what are you going to do? I go, well, I don't really, I mean, when you retire, why do you have to have a plan of what you're going to do from day to day? I thought that was the whole idea that you don't. And, uh, but I do plan to travel around and see some big time football games around the country. As everybody knows, I grew up an Alabama fan, plan to go see a few Alabama games in the next several years. And, and, uh, my wife and I are going to go some places we've always wanted to go. We haven't had a chance to because, uh, for one reason or another. And, so that that's it in a nutshell. Well, uh, I, one thing I can say with 100% certainty is whoever whoever takes your place has got some really big shoes to fill. I uh, uh I started what I'm doing almost 33 years ago and uh Tim May was one of the first ones to contact me and it's been a long relationship and I, I know that there's going to be some big shoes to fill, but uh, but you know what, Bill, you're you're a great walking, talking example of what's changed in my business since when I first started. Because I used to make all those phone calls uh, religiously during recruiting and stuff, and then a guy like you came along, along with like Tom Lemming and some of these other guys. But uh, you were one of the people don't understand. You're one of the forerunners of that whole recruiting um, service ilk, which. Uh, 
you know, you know, for the people who really love recruiting, you're one of the, you're one of the you're one of the one of the great deans of that of that profession, and it's always been a pleasure dealing with you, as you know, on a on a day almost sometimes a day in day out basis. So, uh, I guess one of the legends uh, will remain intact. That is Bill Curlick. Well, I appreciate that, but uh, it, it's been like I like I said, an incredible era of covering football for Tim May. So, uh, moving on. Um, our last podcast you and I did, Tim, uh, was in the beginning stages of the Urban Meyer, Zach Smith, Courtney Smith situation, and you know, that's pretty much for the most part now in the rearview mirror. And I think Ohio State fans are are glad that you know pretty much that has been moved on from. Um, get to, let me get your final thoughts on how that whole thing played out because we haven't really done anything since it all played out. Well, the three-game suspension, to me, on top of the fact he was, uh, you know, originally on paid administrative leave and then and then suspended without pay, uh, you know, which cost him uh, what five hundred eighty-one thousand dollars or some. That's just an estimate uh, of what it cost Urban Meyer. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure it's all over yet because I'm still curious uh, when the Zach Smith, Courtney Smith court case uh, is finally resolved. I'm still interested in seeing what comes from that. That's all I'll say. I mean, uh, you know, Urban Meyer made a point that he was not suspended for turning his back on domestic abuse of domestic violence. He was suspended for how he, uh, in essence, monitored and, uh, and, and uh, supervised a troubled, at times troubled employee in Zach Smith and some other things that went on uh, in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, uh, during that period, and you know he's been adamant about making that point, although others uh, seem seem to like not be able to let go of the fact that, um, in essence, the the investigators and the you know, committee uh, absolved him of any kind of idea that he uh, turned his back on domestic abuse, domestic violence, and so that's sort of the, the weight he's been living with and will continue to live with for a while until maybe some more facts come out on this. Obviously, we haven't gotten all of the details of all of the interviews that the uh, investigative team did, which is, in my opinion, would fill in a lot of the blanks here that are still out there about what they found, et cetera, because it, it morphed from just did Urban Meyer follow proper protocol, uh, which, you know, as you – as you find out, his supervisor, uh, Gene Smith, knew about the allegations in 2015. And, and obviously, uh, one of the Title IX supervisors at Ohio State was aware, was made aware of them, uh, by the, uh, well, I think the Powell police contacted the OSU police who contacted her and made Gene Smith aware of them. So more people in Urban Meyer were aware of them and, and it escalated from there, but it morphed from that investigation into, like I said, uh, investigation of a troubled employee to a certain extent in Zach Smith. And <laughs> it's kind of like you get stopped for a speeding ticket, you know, and then they find out, you know, uh, they find something else in your trunk, you know. That's that's kind of what happened in this whole thing. So, yeah, it's behind. But I'm not sure it'll ever be totally behind Urban Meyer. He, he feels, you know, uh, he's been hurt by this. Uh, and... Uh, so we'll see where it goes from here. Well, uh, moving from that now, 
to uh, the, the current Ohio State football uh, team and what's going on on the field for the Buckeyes. And certainly, you know, the big, maybe the biggest story of this football season has been Dwayne Haskins and, you know, his, his run to a uh, potential Heisman Trophy candidate. Uh, talk now that he's a one and done guy at Ohio State as a starter. Um, you know, what's your, what are you hearing on that? And what's your thinking on, uh, on that situation? Well, what you're hearing is like the, the rumors and stuff are, you know, the scuttlebutt that people are generating, <laughs> you know, like you're just asking me. But obviously, Dwayne Haskins Jr. had to step to any microphone and said, oh, I'm out of here after this season. Bottom line is, as you well know, um, if if the iron ends up being hot for you at the end of the season, just ask Cardale Jones after the 2014 year. He definitely should have left based on how hot his uh, his name was at the end of the of the playoff run. Instead, he came back, and as you know, he slipped big time in the draft. He might have been a first round draft pick after after the way he played in the playoffs, but not after the way he played the first five six games of the 2000. 15 season, uh, you know, his luster fell. And uh, so we'll see what happens with Dwayne Haskins Jr. as this season goes along. But um, what happened to Nick Bosa in game three at TCU, uh, that has to put, uh, you know, that's food for thought for any talented rising uh, star in college football, that, that that can happen to you, meaning an injury can change everything for you. And that will be a real uh, consideration, I'm sure, if Dwayne Haskins continues to improve the way he has and play the way he has. You know, it's funny because, well, well, what about the way, I'm just making up, this is like a fan talking, okay? What about the way he played in the, you know, against Penn State? Well, yeah, the first half he stunk, you know, the whole offense stunk, except for one play, that little wide screen to, uh, or that screen pass to J.K. Dobbins after, uh, uh Tough Borland caused a fumble and how State got the ball back. The screen to J.K. Dobbins got them on the scoreboard. But the second half, Dwayne Haskins Jr. with that wide screen game played extremely well. Heck, he ended up being the co, or no, he ended up being the offensive uh, player of the week in the Big Ten for the way he played in the second half. <laughs> Just like the first half of the of the game previously, you know, he threw 300 and something yards and five touchdowns against Tulane in the first half and then sat down. So. uh <clears throat> Definite upside for this guy. Anybody can see that it's uh, it's 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 massive. And moving from the from the I State offense, let's move to the other side of the ball. Uh, there's been a lot of criticism of the the linebackers, the back seven in general, but uh, certainly the linebackers and Coach Bill Davis. Uh, uh, what's your thoughts uh, on and all the criticism and, and how that unit is playing and all? Well, I don't think that unit's playing as poorly as people are making it out. I mean, <clears throat> I think, you know, when you look at the, uh, when you look at just their overall defensive play, with the exception of about six plays, seven plays, they've actually played pretty well. Now, I say that, uh, Trace McSorley set a Penn State single game total offense record last week. That was no mirage. And, uh, he did it by, Mainly by scrambling, uh, you know, he did as much by scrambling and running because he, what he ended up hitting only half of his passes, which I forgot the number, it was 16 out of 32 or something like that. He started red hot, as you well know. But things tightened up, the defense tightened up in the second half, really, with the exception of one kind of vital drive. But, 
you know, that was a team that was averaging 56 points a game, and they held them to 26. Uh, um, that's pretty good. You know, that's like a week before the big stat coming out of the two-lane game was none of the starting linebackers for Ohio State had a tackle. Well, I thought the bigger stat was Tulane scored six points. So, you know, I don't, depends on what you look at and what you want to, you know, what you want to feel good or bad about. Clearly there, there, you've got three new starting linebackers compared to a year ago on the field right now. There have been some growing pains. They have been caught, you know, in compromising situations on a, on some running plays, et cetera. But, you know, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to pass. I don't think they played great, but I don't think they played as lousy as uh, as it's being made out to be. I mean, Malik Harrison's, uh, for example, uh, uh, tackle from behind of uh, Trace McSorley uh, last week when he ran him down uh, out on the edge was a great example of me of some guys that are you know kind of turning it up and and, and on occasion playing pretty well. I think Pete Werner's been a major surprise in the Big Ten this year the way he has played. Uh, I. I'm not sure they've been as stable at middle linebackers as they thought they would be with Tuff Borland, uh, you know, coming back slowly from his Achilles injury and Baron Browning. Um, you know, I think he's, I don't think he's been as good right out of the box as a lot of people thought he would be as a starter. But, uh, but I think they all, I think they all can improve. How's that for dancing? <laughs> well, that, uh, I, I think you, uh, answered the question, uh, well, and um, you know, maybe some won't see it. That Here's way, the thing, Bill. Let me interrupt you. The point is, there's no, there's no uh, straight up yes or no on those kind of things. You know, when when a, when when you've had when you've given up four plays of 78 yards or longer, there are a lot of people to blame. You know, <laughs> but uh, yeah. clearly, uh, when three of those when three of those plays are running plays. Clearly, some linebacker didn't make a tackle, you know, as the guy broke the line. But then you've also got to figure in uh, a safety uh, didn't make a play either down the field or from a from a leverage standpoint or taking bad angles. So there's there's a lot of blame to be cast, as you said, uh, for some of the gaffes by this defense for involving the back seven. Now, moving on to the the rest of the schedule, it's you know TCU is behind the Buckeyes now. Penn State that game is in the rearview mirror. Uh, the rest of the schedule is not exactly grueling. You know they're at Penn, or they're at Michigan State. That's going to be tough. Uh, they have Michigan at home. I mean, we don't need to say too much more. Everybody knows that, that that's a the biggest rivalry in college football. Um, what do you see the rest of the season? How's it going to play out for the Buckeyes? Well, so I'm riding, I'm driving my truck. Let's say, let's, if you're going to stay in your analogy there, but the, I'm driving my truck and in the rearview mirror last year, uh, I'm pulling away and I'm seeing this great comeback win over Penn State. And so I'm, uh, I'm driving my truck out to Iowa, you know what I mean? Let's say, and, well, that's going to be okay. They're, they're coasting now until they get to, uh, Michigan State and Michigan. <laughs> and we all saw what happened at Iowa, whatever final score was, 55-24, uh, one of the great ostrich eggs I've ever seen Ohio State lay. Uh, the point is, we all know we all know we all know Purdue. We all know Purdue is a is a much improved football team from two years ago. Definitely more improved than the last time Ohio State played Purdue. Um, Maryland. I mean, I'm not going to say the same thing about Nebraska. I'm not going to get crazy on you. Minnesota. I don't think you know Minnesota's. Haven't they're they're an average you know below average football team right now they're still in their 
rebuilding phase or whatever you want to call it. I think Maryland sandwiched in between the trip to Michigan State and the uh, regular season finale against Michigan. I think, you know, you cover recruiting. Maryland has done a pretty good job the last several years uh, accumulating some talent, and I think they've They've uh, come to bear. That's come to bear on a few teams this year, not the least of which was Texas in the season opener. And uh, so I think Maryland is a little bit of a pothole trap, possible trap game because it's on the road. And like I said, it's in between uh, Ohio State playing two of the other Titans of the Big Ten East. So, but you're right. Between now and the Michigan game, Ohio State's going to be a prohibitive, prohibitive favorite. By that I mean probably 20 points or more. Every game, and and it's up to the up to the Buckeyes to play up to that level, and uh, so really the onus is on the Buckeyes to uh, and the coaching staff to to take care of business. All right, give me last question. Give me Tim May's final four: the college football playoffs. Who are the four? As it stands right now, um, uh, I would be looking for number one that it's going to be. Well, I mean, I'm just talking about projecting from where it stands right now. Uh, I think Ohio State has a good shot to, win, to to run the table. I think Alabama has a good shot to run the table. I think Oklahoma, same thing. And I think Clemson, uh, if Clemson's quarterback play is adequate enough, I think it has a, obviously a great shot to run the table because it's not. But I also think Notre Dame does. I mean, Notre Dame's game this week against Virginia Tech is – uh, even though Virginia Tech got beat by Old Dominion a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> like I said, college football's fickle, man. You never know which team of your teams is going to show up for one week to the next. But I think the real conundrum, uh, if Ohio State runs a table, it'll be in for sure. If Alabama does, it'll be in for sure. Uh, if Clemson does, it'll probably be in for sure based on uh, past. I think the real conundrum is going to be if uh, Notre Dame and, and Oklahoma run the table for the uh, committee on deciding between them. But right now I would pick, I would say it would be uh, in no particular order, Ohio State, uh, Alabama, uh, Clemson, and uh, probably Oklahoma. Uh, but that's going to be interesting. If I mean, think about that, Bill. Uh, four of those five, I mean, Clemson is a kind of a Johnny-come-lately to the elitist party, but four of those five are some of the biggest names in college football history. <laughs> I mean, if you had if you had a Final Four of Ohio State, Alabama, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma, holy smokes, that would be from a uh, tradition rich standpoint, that'd be unbelievable. And I, I I certainly think that, as you just detailed, could happen. But uh, as always, Mr. May. No, wait, a minute, let me interrupt you. You, you notice you notice I don't have Georgia in there because I don't believe in a four game playoff. There should be two teams from the same conference. Pick the best team from that conference and move on. Last year I had a real problem with that because uh, even though Ohio State had really, with that, like I said, that big black eye uh, at Iowa, which is their second loss, they really had no argument even though they had as many FBS wins as Alabama did. And Alabama lost its last regular season game, whereas Ohio State finished on a roll by winning the Big Ten championship game. Uh, I thought Ohio State still should have gone in ahead of Alabama, but I don't think in this in this age there should be two teams from the same conference in a four-game playoff for the national championship. So that's why I left out Georgia. Well, you aren't the only one that feels that way, certainly. But, uh, again, Tim, 
great to have you on. And uh, if you're available, I'd uh, love to have you on a, a couple more times for the uh, end of the Ohio State football season. Now, Bill, and, uh, Bill, that's Bill, that's Bill, that's pretty pretty poor on your part because you know every time you call me, I'm willing to do this. So it'll be, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, it'll be up to Bill Curlick whether I'm on here again or not. <laughs> well, then, well, then you you will be on. And uh, I, the thing I didn't know though, Tim, was uh, uh, how busy you'll be on, on the 35 year uh, end of the era Tim May farewell tour, which uh, has officially started. I'm sure. So you know how busy. You'd well, be on I don't like it. I don't like to call it a farewell tour because you know you never know if I'm gonna pop up again. See, that's the point. You know, <laughs> you can retire, but you can still like you know, occasionally still go hunting. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we uh, again appreciate you being on, Tim, and we will talk again uh, in the coming weeks, my man. You got it. Always a pleasure. You know that, Bill. <laughs> <laughs>